0: Well, I'm Rounding Down, the only outlaw, tough person, bad person podcast that dares to ask what is good and what is bad. I'm Chid, the outlaw, tough person, bad person in question, and I'm joined as always by my co-host, a man who accidentally ordered a $13,000 bottle of wine and wasn't ashamed to tweet
1: about it in the middle of a pandemic when many Americans are just barely scraping by. It's Cy Eddie. I don't order wine. That wasn't me. I can tell you, I can tell all of you that that is a lie. Uh, mm, I got you confused I, with Chrissy Teigen. Sorry. Y- you I, did. It's an easy you mistake did. to make. Well, well, I know that I often drink with John Legend, uh, so it's easy to confuse the two of us, but yeah, it wasn't me. I mean,
0: when I think of power couples, I think of you and John
1: Legend. <laughs> I think of me and John Legend. <laughs> Everyone and John Legend. Yeah. He's, I mean, he seems yeah. great. Yes, uh, I, I don't know. I, I have no I, idea. I never met the guy. I've never uh, met him either, but he seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Uh, it What are you drinking tonight, speaking of drinks? Uh, I am drinking Greater Good DDH Pulp Daddy.
0: Ooh. It's
1: the nectar of the hop gods. Okay. Where, where is that from? Worcester. Nice. Yeah. So being being closer to Worcester now, I've been experimenting with more, more of the Worcester beers or Worcester. Wor- Worcestershire, as we said last <laughs> I was last just going to say, pr-
0: pronounce that uh, sauce again for me. Worcestershire. There you go. You got it. Uh, yeah. Well, that sounds good. I'm I'm drinking water, so it's a real it's a fun oh. one for me.
1: I find that I find that when I drink a heavier beer, the later I drink it at night, uh, the more of a headache I have the next day. Since I'm a lightweight, so I'm, I'm mixing it with I have a diet Pepsi for chaser. Nice. <laughs> you know, it's important I that you're just straight mixing it. Yeah. I knew a girl from Germany who would mix
0: uh, like Coca-Cola and beer. She would just that's, mix Bud Light and Coca-Cola.
1: I think that's well. What I'd say is I think that mixing beer and soda is like a European, like a yeah. common thing in Europe. Um, I'm not sure why, but it's it's quite a choice. I have to say, <laughs> bold, very bold. How you doing this week, buddy? uh good, good. Got a little bit of snow. Uh, I am. I told you about my snowblower when we had Curtis on. Yeah. So, uh, did you look up the thing I told you to look up about how to actually get a snowblower to work? Totally did. And did it work? Uh, it didn't. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna replace the carburetor this week. Okay. My, my uncle and I were gonna wrench around on it. Nice. Uh, I Ordered a carburetor for thirty dollars before I spend another fifteen on a, a new snowblower.
0: Yeah, did, that was
1: worth a shot. Probably worth a shot. Yes. But yes. my wa- we got about thirteen inches of snow, and my wife and I shoveled, and uh, my back still hurts two days later. Uh-huh. Your back also hurts from carrying our relationship and friendship. so <laughs> I don't know about that. It's a lot. I carry lot my, on you. my torch for you. Mm,
0: that's very sweet. I don't know if you saw this, but I changed my – So some of our uh, friends are speculating that I, I've turned bad, that I've done a heel turn. Yeah. And so they were saying that I'm the heartbreak kid, uh, but in this case, the heartbreak chid. So, nice. So uh, I'm nice. a real HBC, as I like to say. Um, uh,
1: the best there is, the best there – was the best there ever will be no that's bret hart, the isn't, hart. isn't that the heart oh no that's no, bret that's michaels sean michaels sean <laughs> <laughs> michaels not bret michaels i'm really good at i'm good at wrestling. rock of love i'm good it's at so wrestling bad. i'm good at names
0: yeah that's okay you you got it you're doing a lot of stuff and <laughs> yeah. i appreciate everything you're doing it's been uh oh yeah we only got about four to six inches of snow here in the philly area was and, it slushy uh, it was very slushy and then it yeah. rained a ton. And there's a lot of uh, thick slush and ice. And uh, my wife has taken the kids and gone to visit her family in Maine uh, for a week. And uh, because they have animals and I'm allergic to animals, I, I didn't go with them because we didn't want to spend money we don't have on like a Airbnb or whatever. So, I'm here alone without a car. So, I was like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking
1: shovel. I'm not even going to bother. Just- <laughs> is it safe to say that the house that has the animals in it would be considered a hair BNB? Oh, wow. 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 It is safe to say that. Thank
0: you. And thank you for saying it, honestly, because I don't think a lot of people would say that.
1: <laughs> no, I don't think anyone in the history of anything would ever say that. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's good stuff. I really,
0: really appreciate
1: that. I, wow. I know you're excited about our guests, and I am too, so... Yeah. <laughs> weird. It, the, no, weird I mean the transition that. is because I had a bad joke and I I didn't want to give Sammy a chance to pause the podcast while he was listening to dunk on me.
0: Well, I mean he should. I think that that's one of the his favorite things is to pause the podcast to dunk on you, and I get it, rightfully so. Uh, Yeah, well, in that case, today's guest is the frontman of the band Mansions, whose fourth LP, Big Bad, came out in June of 2020, right in the early stages of quarantine, on the aptly named, in this case, Bad Timing Records. It's Chris Browder. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty good. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're super excited to have you here. Um, So to set the table for anyone who's never heard your band before, or uh, people who maybe aren't familiar with what you've done in the past can you give a little rundown of uh kind of where mansions came from how you arrived where you are now
2: yeah sure so um it started as just like a solo project of of me doing music myself in my bedroom i'd like played in different bands growing up but always like the process of just like working on stuff myself and so it really started that way more as like a studio project until then uh, we started working with Doghouse Records, who had done, like, the Get Up Kids and All American Rejects, stuff like that, and uh, that was when then it became more of, like, a full band, where, you know, I got some of my friends to go on tour with us and all that kind of thing, um, but it still stayed a little bit of, like, a solo project, in a way, mm-hmm. where then uh, we stopped working with Doghouse, kept making some other records. Um, we had uh, bass player, Robin Dove, uh, join the band. She's kind of, like, the one other permanent member. Um, and then we've had various drummers and that kind of thing, but, mm. so it still feels very much like a studio project where like, yeah, that's where it's most at home. Um, uh, but we do, you know, play shows as a, a band too, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah. So when you, you obviously I'm assuming for the release of big bad, which is your fourth like proper LP, I'm going to assume you, did you have like tour plans and, and things kind of planned uh, around the release of this record? Nah, we're we're kind of like people kept
2: asking that because it was like, oh man, the quarantine must have really put a damper on your touring plans. But like we had no touring plans at all. Um, <laughs> gotcha. We've been kind of out of that touring game. I think the last like real tour we did was in 2014. Uh-huh. Um, so it's been a while. Uh, yeah. We... It's been a
1: while. <laughs>
2: Thanks, I i <laughs> appreciate that <laughs>
1: um
2: yeah like it would have been nice to play some shows around regionally you know maybe try to do like one in new york one in chicago something yeah, like that. yeah 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 um and you know we'd still it's like the 10th anniversary for one of our records that people like um dig up the dead yeah for that one in like march yeah so we had talked about trying to do some some shows to commemorate that, and I'd still
1: like to do that sometime, but
2: you know who knows? Have when. you
1: thought about doing like a like a virtual show uh maybe in in March like something you can stream? yeah, that's kind of one of the
2: most immediate options. It'd still be nice to to do some real stuff later. We've done a couple of virtual things like back, I guess when Big Bad first came out, we did a few like Instagram streams mm-hmm. but it still feels like like. I'm a little nervous about doing anything longer than, like, 15 minutes as, like, a virtual stream. It just seems hard to, like, keep people's attention. And it's such a weird thing where you're, like, playing a song and then, you know, I didn't realize how much, like, hearing applause at the end of the song kind of... Makes a difference. Yeah, it makes a huge difference where it just feels so weird to not have that.
0: yeah Yeah. i think it's it is so that's the thing david bazan who i suspect you're a fan of if i had to guess based on your music huge um, fan yeah yeah uh he has been doing like a like bi-weekly wednesday or he did a bi-weekly wednesday live stream for quite a while on twitch yeah uh during this and uh you know, I don't I sometimes will put them on like I, I early on in quarantine was like putting them on and my kids who are two and four would watch a little bit and we'd like watch some songs and just have it on the TV and kind of come in and out of the living room and play and stuff. And I think that that was really cool. I mean, for him to do that for, you know, for free with like donations and stuff is, is pretty neat. Um, But it, it must be weird. I mean, it's just him essentially like in his, you know practice space home studio you know basement whatever is playing and like playing to the internet to potentially hundreds of people or thousands of people it must be a little weird
2: yeah yeah like it's super cool and like uh you know a nice kind of benefit of all this stuff where like i don't particularly like going to shows that much these days (laughs) sure but like being able to watch stuff you know streaming online like hell yeah like that's great
0: um, how, how, so I'm going to guess we don't, a thing we don't do on this show is we never ask how old anyone is. That's a thing that we specifically <laughs> do not do, Keep but we mysterious. do ask people, we do ask people how old they were when nine 11 happened. So I will ask you that question. How old were you when nine 11 happened? <laughs> I was uh, 16
2: years old. When Perfect. Happened.
0: So we're all the same age basically. So, uh, what, around what age would you say you stopped really enjoying going to shows? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think for me, a lot of it was just once I started touring and playing
2: shows seriously where then it it made it really impossible for a long time to go to a show without like comparing to shows that we had played or like imagining what the conversations were like backstage or, or that just like like one of the nice things about playing shows is that like you have a role and a place to hang out and kind of like a reason for being there yeah. Where then like going to shows after that where you're just like standing around, it just like feels so awkward and like why am I here? Are
1: there are there any bands that you would consider like I I have a couple bands personally that I I can't miss when they tour. Like regard like I don't like going to shows either. It's a pain in the ass. I'm always tired, you know, after work and stuff like that. But there's a couple bands that I'll see one of which you've toured with uh that I I won't miss if they come around. Are there any bands like that for you?
2: Well, which band is is that?
1: Uh, I really like Bayside. I, I've seen oh, them nice. live a bunch, and I always try and see them live because they're they're fun live.
2: Yeah, they're a great band. Um, I don't think I have any ones like that, but I, I will say that like a couple years ago, uh, we had some friends that were playing at the Seattle Festival, so we like got in for free, and uh, it was just like oh, might as well check out some of the bands playing, and I saw Tame Impala play that year, and mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of theirs. Yes. And that was this experience where I was like, Oh, like, I get it again. Like, I understand why people love seeing live music. And like, I'm totally into this.
0: Yeah. So when currents came out, that was a record where I had listened to their first couple records and nothing really caught my ear. I wasn't like wowed by them kind of initially. And, uh, but I thought they're fine. And then when currents came out, I just, I had the reaction where I just couldn't stop listening to it. I was kind of like obsessed with it for probably a couple months. And, uh, I just listened to the shit out of that record. And I haven't seen them live. I haven't had the pleasure of that yet, but they seem like a band that would just, uh, you know, th- there are certain groups where you just see them and they just completely blow you away, which is obviously not to say that live music is a meritocracy or that's a, that would be a ridiculous thing to, <laughs> to argue. But for example, uh, I took my wife to see Beyonce for her birthday one year. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was fucking incredible. And I was just like, man, man, I get it. I, I was never a huge Beyonce fan. And I saw that show and I was like, man, she fucking rules. I can understand all, what all of this fanfare is for.
2: Yeah, totally. And Tame Apollo, like uses a lot of tracks, which usually I like hate that kind of thing. But they just do it really well where it is a pretty amazing experience. I had the same thing seeing Spoon at a festival a couple of years yeah. after that. I'm a Huge fan of Spoon. And they were just like, oh, it's amazing live.
0: Yeah, yeah. I got to see The Spoon. I saw them at uh, Siren Festival in Coney Island, probably in, pff, I don't remember, it must have been 2005-ish area. Nice. But yeah, getting back to your point about like uh, <laughs> going to shows and kind of just being like, I'm just hanging out and standing around. And it is a weird feeling because I do, I recall being like 14, 15, 16 and going to shows with, you know, like 25 deep with all of my friends. Like we'd just go to shows and yeah. be there and it would just be like a night out and... When you're a kid and you have no better options and you have no autonomy kind of uh, when you're not in, you know, inside your house, um, it's nice to uh, it was just like a really huge thing and so much fun. But, yeah, I think as an adult, it's it there's something it does lose a little bit of that luster. And I do find like even pre. I don't know. I would say that, like, Cy and I, the last show I went to before COVID was Cy and I went to see, um, we, we went together to a show, which we hadn't done in, in a while. We went to see Oso Oso and, uh, Sidekicks. Sidekicks. Yeah. And, uh, and that other band that's from Boston. That's a good band. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> the ringing endorsement. <laughs> they're a really good band. Uh, but, uh, I can't remember their name. Um, but yeah, they, it's, basically takes like a really big kind of show for me to uh, find an excuse to get a babysitter and uh, and go at at this point in my life. And so that that kind of complicates things as well. Um, But it is, you're, you're right. I think that the, um, I can, I can definitely see how like doing something that it becomes kind of a job or work, even if it's work you love, it must, you must have kind of a stranger experience with it after the fact.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It felt a little bit like going into the office and like, I was probably pretty bitter for a while too, where, you know, it was hard to see bands like doing really well when like we weren't doing that well. Um, where like at this point, like I'd feel much more at peace with that where, uh, I don't have that same, same problem. But yeah, like, like I love watching shows online, love watching YouTube videos and seeing how bands translate stuff. So like if I could go to shows and like have it be like not that late at night, and, like, have a good, comfortable spot where I can hear and see well, but not be, like, smushed up against people? Like, it's the most, like, old man version of shit. No,
1: that sounds optimal, though. I'm into that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, sounds great. Uh,
0: so The I, band I was thinking of was Future Teens,
1: by the way. Okay. Uh, so anyway. <laughs> go ahead, Cy. Go ahead, uh, so I have two Louisville-adjacent uh, questions for you. Nice. Uh, one of which uh, is from someone in our – we have a – DM of past rounding down guests. Uh, but we're he old beige guy asked uh, why the move from uh, Louisville to Seattle? Yeah.
2: Um, well, so I grew up in Louisville through high school and then I left to go to college in North Carolina. Uh, and then I was there for a while and we were just trying to figure out where to go next. Um, like my, I was touring a lot. Robin's job was was wrapping up. And then uh, it was like we could move anywhere we wanted to. Um, I didn't really think about moving back to Louisville at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like my parents and family are still there, but I didn't really see much reason for me to be there. And Seattle was just like cool big city that wasn't New York or something.
1: Yeah. Uh, so my other Louisville adjacent question here. Uh, being from Louisville, uh, do you have any crossover with the band White Reaper? Uh, that band rules. (laughs) I like them a lot. I was, I was wondering if you've ever like been in a band with any of them or like done any shows in that area with them, like any sort of crossover with them. So I never crossed paths with
2: them like growing up or anything. I think they might be a little bit younger. Um, but they're an amazing band. But the one crossover I have is my buddy Sal, who used to play drums in mansions. He toured with us. bunch he played on dig up the dead uh he has been their tour manager um for a while Mm -hmm. i think he's still touring with them i'm not sure uh but he uh is from chicago but i think hangs out in louisville a lot these days and so he's buddies with them because i think we have some other mutual friends so i have never met the white creeper guys but uh yeah we definitely know some of the same people nice
1: That they're Louisville's of so sigh have you ever been to Louisville I have I have family there
0: specifically I guess so you've been in Seattle for quite a few years now'm I'm, I'm gonna guess uh, how how are you enjoying living in Seattle I guess versus uh, Louisville or how are you like what's your you know what are your impressions of Seattle what do you enjoy about Seattle
2: yeah it's been great uh, so we've been here ten years we probably expected to be here like two or three when we first yeah. moved um, which is a good way to like talk yourself into making a big move like that. <laughs> um, but it's been cool. Like, it's it's nice that it has all the big city stuff, but you can also get away from the city things if you want. Um, I think the, the biggest difference for me versus, like, North Carolina where we were and probably Louisville too is that uh, because the music scene is such, like, just a part of the city, um, people we're much more used to the idea of people like leaving for tour and that kind of thing. Um, like, -hmm. like when I first got a temp gig at the university of Washington and it was just to like fill in the gaps while I was on tour, I walked in and the guy who was my supervisor, I was like, man, I totally know this guy. I know who he is. And I figured out that he played guitar in David Bazan's band. Oh, Uh, nice. And so, uh, You know, he, like, absolutely knew about touring and about needing to leave to go on tour. So, like, I got a really sweet setup with that where I could leave whenever I needed to and come back and have a job. Um, And he was a super cool guy and, like, full of advice. And so getting to know him and be friends with him was a a huge help. Um, But just, like, that contrasted with when I was in North Carolina and, like, having to work just, like, a part-time job and then basically quit if I needed to go on tour, you know? Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's tough. And I think too, like you're, so there, are, I think a lot of people when they think of, um, well, so many uh, artists we will just say are kind of working class artists or artists who aren't uh, making a, you know, their full income or even maybe the majority of their income from their art or are folks who are working and then kind of doing their stuff on the side or doing it at night or, you know, maybe, uh, drifting off on tour for a couple of months or a couple of weeks and then coming back or, or what have you. Yeah. So Big Bad is your first LP in seven years. And I suspect, I mean, I would guess that is some of that because of the kind of your, you know, you're working and and making music at the same time. Is that some of how you're kind of balancing things? I think that definitely makes a difference where if you think before that, like I could spend,
2: you know, eight hours a day working on songs and now... Even if I'm spending, like, two hours a day, which, like, is a lot when you're uh, working, that still means things are going to take four times as long, you know? <laughs> right,
0: right, 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 right,
2: um, Yeah. And we did put out an EP in, uh, what was that? that
0: was, like, 2017?
2: Yeah, something like that. And that was the kind of thing where, like, I had intended for that to be a full length, but at a certain point, I was like, man, if I keep waiting to have 10 songs instead of six songs, this is going to be too long. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, just with real real life, and also like, there's no rush for us to have to put out an album. Like, I don't think people realize how often like the album cycle is set just by like the need to get back on tour to be yeah. able to make money to pay rent, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, it, that makes sense. I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure, especially you know, to kind of keep that uh, thing going essentially. And I wonder too. I've speculated on the show before that. There's probably a lot of bands that and at the start of quarantine uh, were considered active concerns. And I said this to side before that I feel like probably might not be ongoing concerns in the same way when this is all over, um, which sucks, but I'd also understand it because I, I think that there's, you know, it's hard to, um, I don't know, I think it, in some ways it's probably also hard to just kind of be out of that cycle. And for some folks who have been kind of in that cycle for five, six, seven, eight, nine years, it's probably, you know, being away from it for a year or a year and a half, however long it's going to be, uh, it might be <laughs> difficult to kind of get back into it if I had to guess.
2: Yeah, for sure. There's a surprising amount of like structure of like really being in it as far as the timing for things. And then when, yeah. like when you're on tour, that's like completely structured time, you know, yeah, like yeah. probably even more so than like the normal day job kind of time. Yeah,
0: you I mean just like the basic, like, we've got to drive here, we've got to load in at this time, we have to do sound check, we have to, like, just all that shit. We have to break down, we have to get stuff back loaded up, we have to, you know, like, all that structure.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's no, like, real free time to yourself. Like, everything is right. just waiting around for the next thing that you have to be at.
0: Yeah. <laughs> One of my friends who uh, was fortunate enough to do several European and, uh, I think, uh, two Asian tours, uh, his band, he was like, yeah, I got to go to, like, all the greatest cities in the world and uh, saw fucking none of any of them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and and if you want, you can really make an effort to try to get out, but then it's like you're just exhausted. You know? Yeah,
0: there's just, just no time. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's tough. Um, so I guess specifically... To talk about Big Bad, because I have a, a bunch of questions about this specific record, which I'm, um, I'm glad that you
1: have que- I'm glad that you have questions about that record, because all my questions pertain to earlier. records. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I think we can balance that way. So um,
0: yeah, I would say for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't heard uh, Big Bad, we've been talking about the record on this show. So you've heard me mention it a couple times already. Uh, we had an ad for it a couple of times where we did a, a, a runner, a pre-roll ad for it. It nice. was uh, just mentioning that you should go pick it up and uh, buy stuff, buy it off Bandcamp or buy it at Bad Timing Records, et cetera. Um, but it was really, it really was my favorite record of, of 2020. That's not smoke-blowing. Uh, I was just a huge fan of the record. It's one that really connected with me that I really enjoyed right away. Um, and I, I would say, I guess the question that I have about that record specifically, um, and so, the copy on the Bad Timing website says uh, of Big Bad, and, you know, copy is always funny to me, uh, but it says, it's an album preoccupied with making peace with the past and finding a way to make the most of the future. Um, I would say your lyrics kind of range from direct to maybe more opaque from song to song, but I sense a real feeling of grief in some places on the record and some resignation in other places. Um, I always say that songs of resignation are come sometimes my favorite songs. Uh, am I off track here? Do, are those do you, do you feel like those elements are, are big on the record?
2: That's a great question.
0: I mean, first of all, thanks so much. I'm glad that you dig the
2: record that that means a ton. Um, I don't know if if grief is one that I've thought about as much for it. Um, it's definitely a sort of like trying to make peace with like who you are and responsibility for choices that you make. Uh, there are some definite moments of grief for sure, the more that I'm thinking about it. Like, like Do It Again, that's totally like a, you know, Requiem kind of song. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, you know, as I've gotten older, th- the issues that I see myself facing or other people facing are just very different than the things that, um, you know, I was thinking about 10 years ago. Hmm. Um
0: we- it's a very, I mean, in that regard, I'd say it's a very adult record. Like, there's a lot about the, even just getting down to the song structure where it's so refined and so, um, so many of the songs have this kind of very steady build where they kind of build to this, like, just explosive chorus. Yeah. And it's a record that's very content. And one of the things that I really enjoy about it and, uh, appreciate is it's a record that's very content to be like, fuck you you get this one time you're gonna get this like you're gonna get this hook one time you're gonna get this just here and you're gonna fucking want to hear it again but tough shit like it doesn't it doesn't uh it doesn't like you know spoon feed you anything in that regard and i really respect that about the record
2: that's cool i'm, I'm glad you like that because that was definitely a deliberate choice definitely a very deliberate choice where um you know lots of the songs have kind of a steady build and then you're like all right here's where like the big drums are going to come in. Here's like the like part where we all rock out. Um, And we tried to not do that in any of those moments where there's even probably alternate versions of a lot of the songs where like it does do a big dumb rock bridge or something, you know? Uh, And every time it was just like, wait, why do we need to do that? Like, what if we just have this part be big and like feel kind of epic, but without the typical, um kind of tools that we would go towards
0: yeah that's that's a really interesting point is i do think that there's a lot of it shows to me i mean as someone who writes fiction i often am not really um i always say that i'm better at at revision than i am at writing Mm. and um that's a i am happy that that's a skill i have and i know that it's i work differently than like other writers who i work with regularly but I will often like when I'm trying to get something out, I'll just write the dumbest, stupidest fucking thing I can think of because I'll be like eh, any idea, any stupid idea will work. And then it's kind of about uh, trimming and paring down and finding kind of uh, meaning in a very dumb idea and working from there for me personally. But I'm someone who works like my my process is kind of a, it's a it's a process of discovery more than a process of I think some people write from a place of this is my idea and I'm going to just write to that idea. And some people more are like, I can't even put into words exactly what this is or what this story is, or maybe what this song is, but I'm going to keep refining it until I figure it out maybe. Um, and I get the sense on this record, at least sonically, it seems like you really did more of the latter than of the former. Is that correct? For sure. That's definitely more of the process
2: where, you know, even just lyrically, I, th- I think sometimes I'll have like an idea of what um, I want to be talking about at the beginning, but by the time the song's done, it's always something completely different. yeah, um, where it is that discovery process of like, oh, I didn't really know that I felt this way or like, here's um, you know, something that I've kind of learned from a situation that I didn't uh, expect or didn't think about before. And then sonically, it's the same process where you know most songs are starting with like me and acoustic guitar. Right, and then it's like okay what does the song really look like and so you try putting it in a bunch of different clothes and and see what looks good um i can tend to like get excited about any idea or excited about any random like oh this guitar sounds really cool even if it's not Mm -hmm. like
0: that exciting um but But that's, that's also a really good i mean that's also a really good characteristic because you need like there's a push and pull in creativity right so without people who are like, oh, I'm excited about this, even if it's misguided, like, uh, you're, you're not gonna get anything fucking done. That's just the reality in any band or any, any, like, uh, if you're not excited about what you're writing initially, or what you're working on initially, even if it's not maybe as refined as you'd want it to be uh, on a longer view. Um, that's kind of the, the self criticism or whatever that can like, completely halt work in some ways, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You've got to have that uh, ability to turn off that editor voice when it's not useful and like have that delusion, you know, when something's just like the seed of an idea, but it hasn't reached that potential yet. Yeah. Um, But then it's really great because Robin is much more of an editor. So then when I kind of don't have perspective on a song where I'm like, I've been working on this, I don't really know if it's any good. uh, She can come in with that more objective year and help, uh, push it a different direction or, or, see what's good about it or what's not, uh, which is a huge value to me.
0: That sounds like a huge va- I mean, that's, you know, I think that's what most creative people need, honestly, is, you know, you need that push and pull and that's why, uh, collaborative experiences are so great for creating stuff. Um, because I do think that there is a lot of, at least in my, uh, experience writing <laughs> with the other writers that I work with, sometimes we get to points where, um, <laughs> for example in my writing group one of the guys who uh, is a, a pretty accomplished writer uh had a draft this past week that was like his 10th draft of a story and uh i was just like yeah this it's as good as it's going to be with this structure but i think you should just fucking blow up the whole thing and just <laughs> try to completely re uh sequence events try to ch- put the characters in a different scenario um you know keep the heart of the story the same but try to gut it completely uh not because you know that's going to necessarily solve all of your problems. But I think that, um, you have to kind of be fearless and, and, uh, and trim things back. And I, I'm kind of always suggesting those sorts of things to other writers. And, um, it, because that's, that's how I often find truth in things is just being like, let's rip everything out and try it in a diff- completely different way and then go from there. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough. It's tough to do. It's tough to, to stare that down. But I think that that's that balance of like one person who's more of a, an editor who can give perspective is a a really beneficial thing, obviously.
2: Yeah, it's so hard to do when, like, you know, you fall in love with this thing that you made because you made it, and the idea of just, like, throwing it out um, is really hard. Even the the song uh, PPV on the record was one that, like, I went through 10 different versions of, and each of those was a process of, like, blowing up that old version and doing another one. Yeah, And, and it was about to be like, like literally with the version that's on the record, I was like, if this version doesn't work out, we're just scrapping the song because it's not gonna, gonna go. Um, but thankfully it, it, it worked out, um but it's hard to give up on those things.
0: It is hard, but I think that 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 song is great. And I mean, I think that that's a really, um, I I love that song. That's a song that the first time I listened to the record, that was a song that I really keyed into. I don't know. There's just a lot there. There's just a lot to kind of reckon with in that song. And it's it's a pretty, um, as the record goes, I'd say it's a pretty simple song compared to uh, maybe structurally, it feels a little more simple than some of the other songs. But it's such a, like, there's so much weight to it. And it doesn't, so that's a song that, like, often will be on. I have a playlist of songs for my son when he takes naps. And that's that's a song that comes on. So nice. I'll be, like, in, in my office working. Uh, and he'll be asleep from 2 to 5. And I'll hear that song three or four times over the course of that uh, that time period most days of the week. So, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, I hear it a lot.
2: And you're right with the simplicity. Because the problem I was having with it was that I kept trying to write a chorus for it. And and nothing worked. And so eventually it was like, well, like, why does it have to have a chorus? You know, (laughs) like, uh, and then just trying to do it without that was what worked.
0: It's yeah, it's really, I mean, the other thing, too, is I think that there's something also, I always say, like, when I'm talking to other writers, I'm always like, completely try it a different way. Completely. You're not going to lose anything because you also have to, you know, you can always go back to what you had before and try to keep keep pushing that ball down the field to use a sports metaphor. But I think that sometimes just getting that perspective of trying things a completely different way can can kind of break things open in, a, in an interesting way. And often I think when people do, when you take that risk, I think you're often rewarded for that, at least in my experience. I know I have been.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's rewarding. And I usually like know that intellectually, but at the time I, I like... <laughs> and pissed about it you know
0: yeah 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 i think that that's the that's the gamut of emotions i think you kind of feel when those things
1: happen uh so i have a, a very specific song related question as opposed to uh the whole feel of an entire record uh sorry it's not as as deep uh chin <laughs> as your question was uh but one of my favorite songs that Manchin has done is the economist from doom loop Oh, cool. uh, And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but can you tell me a little bit of what that's about? Because I, I, the lyrics I, I really enjoy, uh, and I, I've always wondered kind of where it was coming from.
2: Yeah, I mean that song is coming from the place of like getting a real job and uh, being okay with it, and not treating it as this like binary you know, either you are a professional musician or you have failed and you are not a creative person. Um, mm. And just like, I think I had built the idea of like having a full time normal day job up in my head as this, um, you know, a sign of, of failure. And then I found that that wasn't necessarily the truth. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting to me because I think that that kind of, that also plays into that kind of resignation sort of theme in some ways, um, that I definitely hear on, on big bad as well. Um, and I guess when I say resignation, I mean, I think that that word means different things to different people to some ways in some ways, but I don't necessarily see resignation as a negative thing. Um, I would say that sometimes resigning is the most powerful choice a person can make. Like, if you have something awful inside of you and you keep fighting against it, it's going to make you feel like shit forever. Like, right? if like I that's... put in my
1: two weeks as the co-host of this podcast?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're in a good spot as the co-host of this podcast because you're, you're a good friend, you're a good co-host, and I hope it makes you happy to do it. But I would say that, like, there are certainly times in everyone's life where you're, like, fighting against something for good or bad reasons or for whatever reason. Um, but I think like resignation is about acceptance, and it's about kind of just like accepting things for what they are. Um, and sometimes there's a real great clarity that comes from that, even when the thing you're accepting is shitty. You know what I mean? Um, I don't. I don't know. I see resignation as a really powerful emotion and a really powerful uh, kind of way to process things. Yeah, personally, I,
2: I agree with that completely. And that sort of sense of acceptance. And, and the like responsibility that comes along with that of like, yeah, like this is it, man. You know, like this is your life and you're making your choices and you're responsible, you know, for kind of like how the rest of the shit plays out. Um, and accepting where you are is part of that, you
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tough also to, I think that there's, I think there's something about working and working like a corporate job, especially, and I've done, you know, more blue collar jobs. I've done more corporate jobs in my life. I've been fortunate to do kind of lots of different types of jobs from being a kid to being a grown up. But, um, there's something about working that where you meet people in, in like a corporate workforce who you get the sense that a lot of their identity is tied up in the job they do. Yeah. And, um, no judgment on them at all because i think if you're spending 40 50 60 hours a week doing something then it's natural to see that as a large part of your identity i understand that but i i personally feel like for my own sanity i don't ever i feel like i can always kind of wall off my work from my actual interior life if that makes sense um Like I can accept that that's a thing that I do to feed my family and to keep us clothed and housed and everything. Uh, But it's not a thing where I think that like pretty early in my corporate career, when I was like 23, 24, 25, I was like, oh, if I keep taking this really seriously, I'm going to fucking be miserable all the time. I'm just going to hate myself and hate what I'm doing. and. Um, you know, there's some freedom in, uh, in caring less maybe to some degree. Like that was a real moment of resignation for me personally.
2: Yeah. Yeah, totally. And treating it that it's like, you know, a thing that deserves respect and there's like honor and just like working hard and, you know, earning a, a solid living. I, I think one of yeah. the things that I'm most grateful from my experience with music was with having like the thing that I loved also tied up with my profession it kind of taught me like the dark side of how that can mess with your identity, you know, especially like if it doesn't work out the way that you want. And so now like, I am very careful about that with my day job where it's like, this is my day job. It's cool. I like get a lot of enjoyment about it. It's meaningful to me, but it's not who I am as a person. Um, The same way as like music, like I'm a creative person. I love making music, but the idea of like, mansions and putting out music and people listening to it like that's not who i am either you know that's just a thing that i do
0: yeah, it becomes like different facets of your life where you're not you're not wrapping up your whole identity in any one thing, right? And I think that that's probably a, a healthy level of detachment for adults to have about things. Yeah, especially
2: not wrapping it up in things that someone else can take away from you.
0: Yes, yeah. yeah, and that's tough. I mean, I, I, it's really, it's really tough. I think that that's a thing where, um, you know, there are things that are hard, and you read these. I mean. For people who are really closely pay attention to music, um, music industry is not a meritocracy at all. And it, it's a tough fucking industry. Like, there, you read stories about, like, I know you all toured with Now Now in the past. And I believe when they made the record Saved, I think that that was a record that took them quite a while to find a label for and was like, that took them quite a while to put together. And, um, I think that record fucking rules. I think it's a great record. And, um, and, and you read, you hear stories about that like all the time. I mean, the same thing happened to, when spoon made girls can tell they had no fucking label. No one, like they got dropped by a major. Nobody wanted them. It was like a nightmare for them. Um, and that's a huge record. Right. And and that shit happens all the time in the music industry. Um, so I don't, I don't know. That's tough. And, and, you know, props to you, I guess, for, you know, having that, uh, that understanding.
2: Well, and that was the thing that like, when I first started temping, uh, blew my mind the most where it was like, Hey like I'm a temp here and like if I just like show up and like work hard and do a good job then people are like that's great let's like give you more responsibility or <laughs> right. like a raise or whatever and I was like this does not happen in music like no one cares how hard you're working at any of this it's all just like random right. luck pretty much
0: Yeah and that's and it's also so funny because in that world and this is true I think in all art but you you meet people who go about their business in a very in art who go about their business in a very professional way and you meet people who go their business in a very ridiculous way, and that doesn't nec- neither necessarily dictate success. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not a, there's not like a, um, you know, you hear success stories uh, kind of in in both modalities and everything in between the two. Um, so it's just it's it's weird, and I think that that's the thing where like we had Weedus on the show. Uh, of teenage dirtbag fame uh, a few months back Uh, and uh and Brendan brown was telling us that like he was telling us about a band that they toured with that he was like they were like 1920 and he was like and they they literally had like a book where they wrote down every expense he was like they were so professional and it's a thing like he toured with them like 15 years ago and he still remembers it because it's a thing that stood out to him as being so um he was like it was it was was so cool so cool to see them like take it seriously as a business and everything um and that's a band that's obviously been through the fucking ringer but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is interesting how there's, you know, there's no, uh, one way to do it. And it's not, it's not at all like the corporate world where, you know, if you work hard and people like you generally, you're going to keep coming up in the world.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We were totally that band, but way, <laughs> keep track of all this stuff very seriously. But yeah, yeah, like, like you had mentioned Kofax in your email before, yes. and they were always one of those bands that I would hold on to in my head where it's like. Like, Kofax never got big, you know? But, like, they were amazing, and they're one of my favorite bands. And, like, just that reminder of, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really have anything to do with, with the music. And, and like, you know, you can't gauge the success of your band based on, like, the commercial success of it, you know?
1: Well, there's, there's another thing. Like, Chid and I have talked about this before, but, like, certain bands, like, he feels like, and I agree with him, uh, that if they had hit at a different time, that they would have had a completely different path and like been more successful. Like you look at bands like Blink One Eighty Two and stuff like that. And if if they had happened five years earlier or five years later, it might have been a completely different trajectory for them. For and sure. I, I think that has something to do with it as well. It's really like timing, the timing thing. Yeah, that's I'm sure that
0: that's definitely part of it. But yeah, to get back to your to your Kofax uh, point, I mean that's a band where you know I think that that band. Uh, I saw them live four or five times uh, when they were touring and playing, and they were always great. They were always a really fun live band. They always seemed to be having a good time. Uh, they were very, you know... But yeah, they were a band that put out a few really good records. Like, I, I really enjoyed... It had to do with love. I really enjoyed social... Like, I, I liked all of their records, and they just kind of never really broke through and some of that, you know, to size point, maybe had to do with timing. Maybe it had to do with the r- record labels they were on. Maybe it had to do with kind of the contemporaries that they had. Maybe it had to do with, um, a lot of things. Right. But I think that that's a, that's a super talented band. And, um, and the cool thing about music, I guess, unlike other art forms, is it's very easy to dust off something that's old and find it and, uh, and get back to it. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that's the thing that's neat is like Kofax is a band that, uh, is still alive in a lot of ways, even though they're no longer a band, obviously and Bob Suchan works in merchandising and, you know, is impossible to track down.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You still have access to it. I mean, it's like, like everything good that ever happened to our band was just because of some random thing, you know, that like, Oh, we happened to do a tour with this band and then they were living with someone from another band. And so we got a different tour. Like, like you, just know how much luck plays into everything where you can't be like mad that you didn't get more of that you know
0: yeah so, so like you you did a split or a, not a split but like a collaboration EP with uh with Weatherbox I was just uh, about to ask about Manbox so yeah.
1: how did
0: yeah how did that come about were you you all uh, was that a, a tour with with Weatherbox and you kind of worked it from there or
2: we were both on Doghouse at the time and i think the doghouse guy first kind of introduced us to each other. I'm trying to think if we had met at that point, I think we had probably met. We did play a bunch of shows and like um became tight with them, specifically with Brian. um I think he played solo on a tour we did with him, and like we played as his band on a few songs, yeah, and it was really just like uh hit it off with him. Personally, and we were in the same stage of our career on the same label, and like Doghouse was really just kind of desperate for ideas of how to <laughs> uh, push both of our bands. Uh, so we did that, and it was really cool. You know, we were doing it remotely, sending stuff back and forth, and probably like every six months, we talk about doing doing more stuff together. Uh, we were going to try to do like a video of. For one of those songs over the summer, uh, but Brian is
1: notoriously flaky,
2: uh, <laughs> so it's just hard to make anything actually happen.
1: I can only imagine how long that process took to pre two thousand nine to be able to transfer music like that.
2: Yeah, I guess. I mean, we had fast-ish internet by that. Point. Were you doing
1: it? Were you doing it from work with your T one connection? <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't, I don't think so. I remember his stuff. He was using GarageBand and all of it like in the file information, it would say like Eileen Warren's album. Cause that was his, his mom's
1: name. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's good stuff. Yeah. their Weatherbox. Uh, so they haven't put out a record in, uh, I don't even 2016, maybe sometime around there. They put out their last record and, uh, I was surprised when that record came out because I was kind of like, Oh, this band's probably done. And, and, um, you know, I think that a lot of that is, is obviously, uh, him specific or Brian specifically, but, um, yeah, they are a band where they, their first record, the first thing they did, one of their guitarists who they were touring with was on a band, was in a band that, uh, I, my short lived record label put out, a. A split ep for so weatherbox uh another good band that seems to obviously be on their own schedule and uh if you know that sort of makes sense it's that seems like kind of the world we're living in now for a lot of a lot of bands
2: yeah and they're another one where they have like that cult following but i don't think ever blew up the way that
1: uh they deserve you know
2: i think they're an amazing band
1: yeah. To give yeah. them some credit, they also have the one of the longest lists of past members I've ever seen on <laughs> yeah, Wikipedia. That's well, yeah. That's the other thing, right? Like, I think that that's a, when you're a complete revolving
0: door, it can be. It can obviously also be tough. I'm sure to put stuff together, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I when they put out that um, that that EP, like, I really enjoyed their first record, and there was an EP that came out around 2010, I want to say by them that I really really loved the one that had. Um, was it follow the rattle of the afghan guitar maybe uh oh yeah and uh that uh that's 2011 and i um yeah i really loved that ep and then i was like oh they're probably just gone uh and then a few years later flies in all directions came out and i really enjoyed that too but yeah oh geez yeah their wikipedia page <laughs> jesus christ <laughs> so many wow uh yeah it's uh that I applause to whoever, uh, from their l- large sizable cult following assembled that because, uh, truly that's an, an impressive. There's list like 30 people
1: on that list.
0: Yeah. Wow. Go, go to wikipedia.org slash weatherbox and check that out. It's, it's good stuff for a band that's, you know, only been around since 2006. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I guess, uh, sh- I, ooh, this is probably a dumb question, and tell me it is. <laughs> it definitely is. I can already tell you. It's yeah, dumb. I can tell. What What is the big bad? Like, what does that title refer to?
2: Yeah. Um, so there's multiple meanings. Yeah, it
0: is a dumb question, Jid. You're right. It's dumb. But <laughs> let's go on. <laughs>
1: Were yeah. you just really you're into that movie, the big, the big sick? You were just watching that a lot at the time, or <laughs> that's right. I you know you just thought the word big was, was yeah, so good. Yeah. It was actually Tom Hanks' uh, big was what we were watching. <laughs> <I> oh, <don't laughs> nice! Know. It's a good movie.
2: No, I mean, there's multiple reasons. Like one, you know, with like the big bad being like you know the villain of anything as kind of right. this uh, this specter looming over you. Where I think a lot of the album is about death in general. Um, yeah and so that's kind of the ultimate big bad uh there's also this idea that like this one's gonna sound funny but like like in your life it's okay to be a little bit bad you know (laughs) like you can be small Oh, i know all about that yeah um without like totally messing your life up but you just can't be big bad you know no that
0: that makes perfect sense, and I think there's a lot of um I mean, I can definitely feel that in the lyrics just, just like, enough not to get noticed that
2: yeah and and a lot of yeah, a lot of the songs are about
0: you know the ways that people
2: can kind of mess their life up um and the kind of like threat of that that's always around the corner if you want to go that route,
0: yeah, like I think that so get loose, which I think is I mean, if I <laughs> to me that song is as, uh, perfectly constructed as like a, you know, like outlaw country song, uh, is there ever will be on a, what I'll call an indie rock record. Um, but I think that that's a, that's a track where very clearly, like it's, um, someone who's kind of dipping a little bit too far in the bad direction there. And, uh, at least that's my read on it. Um, and, and I really love that song because I think it's such a, um, it's like a really, really kind of beautiful uh, rumination on on that balance and kind of how things can, um, you know, you can get sucked into something and it can take you over without you even realizing it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that is the right read of the song. It's the right kind of, uh, you know, the stuff that we were listening to a lot was, you know, like Patsy Cline and things like that where it's all these kind of, you know your cheating heart kinda uh yeah. songs and so it's definitely coming from that similar place. Yeah. We
0: we did an episode about Blaze Foley a couple months back and uh we listened to some Blaze Foley and uh you, you do you know Blaze Foley? No, I haven't heard of that. You should check him out. He was a. Uh, outlaw country guy who um he was uh he like the masters of i think two or three of his different records completely disappeared and so those records don't really exist anymore um but some of his stuff is on spotify and and uh he's really really talented great songwriter he has a song called if i Could only fly it's a great song he's got a song called uh clay pigeons it's a great song that a bunch of people have covered but anyway i'd recommend him if you're into patsy klein same for towns van zandt but i'm sure you've heard of towns van zandt yeah
1: yeah nice i'll check that out I have one last question for you, but it's a, it's a two-parter. <laughs> okay. We'll see if we get so, to part two. No, it's, so it's, it should be really short. Uh, so putting out a record in 2020, I'm sure is, is nothing like anything you've ever experienced before. Uh, so I was just wondering, uh, what's the worst part about trying to put out a record during a pandemic and, and what would be like a surprisingly good, um, outcome for putting out a record during a pandemic?
2: That's a good question. I think for us, there's been enough time between records that putting out every record feels like a completely different experience from the last one, just with how things have changed. Um, Where like for this one, I think the biggest change for us was just like uh, how like Spotify and playlists and things like, like that is the thing now. Yeah. yeah you know versus like traditional press and all that kind of stuff Where even like just three years ago like that wasn't totally true um so like that was a big difference the i, I don't really have anything that like totally sucks about it i think the the best thing for us was that no one was asking us when we were going to play shows or (laughs) or come to their particular town so we didn't have to get into that like man we got deja house we don't want to use our vacation for tour we'd rather use it for vacation you
1: know yeah but when are you going to come to boston
2: (laughs) yeah exactly so Uh, a lot of that yeah i very much appreciated that aspect of lockdown
0: yeah that makes sense i i would say that um this so i guess we're gonna let you go. We're gonna wrap up in a second here. Uh before we do, do you have anything you would like to plug, Chris?
2: Nah, man. I'm I'm beyond beyond plugs.
1: Sai, <laughs> but... <laughs> do you have anything to plug today? Uh two things. Uh first you should go buy the big bad record on vinyl. Uh bad timing records, is it? Yep, Bedtime of Records. Uh, So I I have yet to purchase it on vinyl yet, uh, but I do listen to it fairly often. So hopefully, you know, those streams are getting you 12 cents uh, eventually. Um, And also, uh, I I tweeted about this earlier this week, but uh, Girl Scout Troop 6000 uh, in the New York City shelter system. It's it's all um, homeless uh, ladies in the New York shelter system, and you can buy their Girl Scout cookies online if you look up Girl Scout Troop 6000. Uh, yeah, so. I
0: I saw that you tweeted that, and I went and bought some cookies for uh, for my family. Awesome. So. If you're having a cookie fix,
1: uh, maybe buy them from them as opposed yeah, to...
0: That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, you just have to look up uh, Girl Scout Troop 6000 cookies or whatever. And Google yeah. That. It'll come right up. Um, yeah, I'm going to also plug, uh, of course, uh, Big Bad, which you can get at badtimingrecords.limitedrun.com. Uh, you can buy merch and stuff there. Do that. Get the band some money or go to their band camp uh mansions.bankcamp.com and uh buy the record there i'm going to recommend you buy it even if you have listened to it a few times just also buy it so that there's some some money exchange there that's actual uh u.s currency um also Do you guys accept bitcoin
2: <laughs> <laughs> we, we accept uh GameStop, gamestop yeah i was gonna
0: say what about gamestop stocks <laughs> i mean you should have been accepting gamestop last week this week oof, maybe not as much it's a, a little bit amc maybe yeah Yeah, maybe American Airlines. I think that's the next uh, one that's uh, been overshorted and will come back up. But that's a long play, not a short play. So that's my stock tip. AAL, buy it, baby. Um, So, yeah, I I would just say that uh, this record is fucking great. It's a great record. Uh, You should go out and and check it out, buy it. Of course, uh, one of our sponsors is uh, Yellowbird. So if you would like a Yellowbird uh, hot sauce, it's yellowbirdfoods.com. Uh, tweet at us and use hashtag Roundbird and tweet I'm a cute little roundbird tweet tweet uh <laughs> and send that to us, tag us, tag yellowbird hot sauce, and that at rounding down at yellowbird.
1: They and, sell uh, yellowbird at Whole Foods too.
0: They do, it's at Whole Foods. I think it's at like fresh market, it's at places like that. It's in some traditional grocery stores too. Um but yeah, we'll we'll send you a bottle of that if you send us your address, of course, if you were listening to this. And uh you can of course follow uh me on Twitter. I'm at Chitspin Size at Cyfiedi. The show is at Rounding Down. Mansions, you are you're at Mansions, I believe, right? Or your Mansions what's your Twitter ad there? It had, it's it's
1: at there? It's mansions. mansions. Yeah.
0: That's it. I got it. At Mansions. Perfect. Nailed um, it. Easy. Uh thanks. Um yeah. So I and Chris, if you ever want to come back and talk about a record you love that is not something you've made, uh, we'd love to have you on. We'd like to kind of explore and deep dive on certain records. So We'd love to have you back anytime you want to come back.
1: Yeah, I would love to. This has been great. All right. Well. Also, be, before you go, check out Doom Loop too. That record rules.
0: Yeah, Doom Loop's great. Uh, all the records are great, uh, and. Uh,
1: I like that yeah. I didn't plug anything, and you guys <laughs> just plugged all my records. We're, we're <laughs> just
0: trying to help out here. We're doing what we can do.
1: We got yeah. your back on rounding down. <laughs> yeah. We do. Um,
0: so, of course, for Mansions, for Chris, for Psy, for myself, for Yellowbird Hot Sauce. For Girl Scout Troop 6000 in New York City. Fuck you, CeeLo. Rounding Downs, produced by Chiz. Music by Corey Major. Artwork by Cy Fieri. It's your boy, Chid. You thought this show was over? Well, it's not quite over yet, and here's why. Our good friend Aaron Crow, his comic book series, It Eats What Feeds It, is out now on trade paperback. You can buy it from anywhere that comic books are sold or trade paperbacks of comic books are sold, but specifically go to scoutcomics.com and buy it from there. It'll run you like $9.99. It's fucking great. It's a great series. Aaron Crow is truly the best. Uh, it's it's Aaron Crow, Max Hoven, and Gabriel Yumazark. Uh, doing the art. It's a really great series. You should go buy it. And if you don't buy it, fuck you and go to hell.
1: This was a Buzzcast Network production.